1: Alright, welcome back to the H2P Podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. Still a little bit under the weather, so i got sexy voice a bit. And uh, Corey Crisson, the beat writer for Pitt Athletics, on a huge, huge day for Pitt Athletics joining us here. And uh, we we got kudos to give out, I think, honestly. I think Heather like should be proud of what she's put together. This athletic program as a whole has had a very successful 2022 and uh, all in all things are looking up. So let's start with the football game. Corey, we neither of us wanted to really preview this sun bowl because of how many missing pieces there were going to be. And that's certainly part of the story, but when there's missing pieces, sometimes that, that, cinderella story like nick patty just comes out of the woodwork man talk about him a little bit five years at pit what he's gone through to get to that moment
0: i can hear how proud you are of him in your voice by the way
1: i am man I can this is what it. college athletics used to be mm-hmm. you know he ain't getting anything out of this but an mba
0: I mean, that's not a bad prize. (laughs) Not at all.
1: But I'm saying, like, that's not the path most of these kids take. So just to see him succeed on that kind of stage. Mm
0: -hmm. In today's college football world, right, we talk about it so often, how the transfer portal has affected this game. And it obviously affects every sport, but it really affects no other sport like football and even men's basketball. You know, you can see pit hoops. By the way, victory Saturday on every front. Two ranked wins, a bowl game win, a ranked win over UNC. And wrestling, by the way, came away with a win on uh, Friday as well. I don't want to leave them out. But, I mean, you, you talked about the job Heather liked. We could do a whole show, you know, maybe a year in review. This is New Year's Eve here on the H2P podcast as we record. But, look, Nick Patty, what more can you say about Nick Patty other than just by watching what he did on Friday? And there were bright moments, there were dull moments. We know the dull moments, and we can throw those out because they won the game. Right? That's how this whole thing works. Sure. The, the pick six we can forgive because they won the game. Some of those couple of those throws we can forgive because they won the game. But at the end of the day, Nick Patty made plays when he had to. He took command and took lead. And that's the word right there that I've heard all week long about Nick Patty. Leadership, leading, leader, all of that. And there was a video caught by uh, one of the TV reporters here in El Paso after the game, and I retweeted it of Bub Means interacting with Nick Patty on the field after the you know the the celebration. They get their hats, they're waiting to go on stage and everything. Yeah. And you know Means is just so fired up for him. And there's you know tweets and videos I retweeted a bunch of you know current pit players, former pit players, even John Morgan who you know entered the transfer portal. You know, he posted something on his Instagram story about Nick Patty and about Pitt winning the game and just how fired up. And everybody is just happy and just so thrilled with Nick. And the on-field performance from that standpoint, the throw on the run, the touchdown to Bub Means, some of the throws he made late down the stretch, that final drive, four plays, 34 seconds to get that game-winning field goal. It was the throw on the sideline to Jared Wayne, which was an absolute dart, a greatly placed ball that only Jared Wayne could make a play on. And by the way, Wayne kept dropping that touchdown earlier in the game, wide open, walk in touchdown. He made up for it on that. That's another
1: aspect of Nick Patty's performance I wanted to touch on is some of the things he overcame. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, you know, this is not a guy that's played a lot in these five years. It's Mm -hmm. not. And he's got no advantage over anybody else. The system has changed this year. It's not like he's been sitting and marinating in this same system for five years. Mm-hmm. You know, they completely changed the offense here. But, so to overcome that bomb to to Wayne at at the end zone there, that he it was a dime. He threw it right where it had to be. Perfect throw.
0: That was just the first of two, because then he had the one right after that to Bub Means in the middle of the field. And, for a, a kid that struggled quite a bit, Gary, Bub Means this year. this How was, was his, the catch? Well, not just the catch. This was his best game of the season. Yeah. Not in catch in, not in catch total. He only had four catches. I think that was second in his career, uh, season high with Pitt. But this was his highest yardage total. He led Pitt in receiving yards. And two of those catches, he had the 45-yard bomb that Patty kind of threw up. And credit to Means on it by the kind of the way that he turned to angle to get the ball because he turned his defender around. And he made that play. And then on the final drive, that catch in traffic, Patty put it right here, right, right, by his, right by his head, basically, where only he could get it. He had to reach out and grab it. And he had a defender draped over him, and he was able to haul it in. And that led to the Patty scramble, which set up the field goal. Those four plays right there, I mean, that's legendary, put it in the Hall of Fame of Pitt type stuff that Nick Patty did on that drive alone and in parts of the game. I mean, he just had... A different feel to it. And you could tell, again, I mentioned how the players are responding, but you could tell how the players love playing football with Nick Patty on the field. They love playing for this kid. Pat Narduzzi says it. It's one thing to hear a coach say it, but it's another thing to hear the players and the response after the game and see how they reacted on the field. Pitt did not look rattled, even when they were down by 14 after the pick six. They did not look rattled. A pass pit team, and I think you might know where I'm going here, perhaps from earlier in the season, probably folds and loses that game.
1: Most likely, right?
0: So you have to credit Nick Patty with, with the majority of all that. And then, of course, the defense, forcing four turnovers on defense, one on special teams. I mean, that's the highest turnover total since the ACC championship game last year where they forced four. And that defense came to play and... We could talk about the replacements and, and the players that came in because you know I'm writing about them plenty. But there were players that th- maybe didn't have much of a shot that played in this bowl game and stood out to us.
1: I think we have a lot more game to talk about, but I want to finish up with Nick Patty because I think he deserves the first segment. He was my MVP for sure yesterday. Um, but it brings about the controversy, doesn't it? Ooh, why didn't Nick Patty? Get some more looks this season to start. It was pretty clear Keaton Slovis wasn't doing that great. They clearly love Nick Patty mm. I, don't, I don't know. The arm's not as good. I'll say that. The arm is not technically as strong as Slovis. But if you know where you're going with it, you can make up for that.
0: You know, when you pull a quarterback out of the transfer portal and it's the first time that you do it and it's your kind of first toe dip into the pool, if you will, of the portal and trying to be um, successful through it and trying to pull that name out that's an instant impact player to your program. Doing that from a quarterback standpoint, it's hard to bench a guy when you do that because you have to show future prospects, future players, hey, if we come get you out of this, we're going to put our faith in you, we're going to put our trust in you, we're going to ride with you. And Pat Narduzzi, as you know, is a ride or die head coach. This well, is very,
1: very likely though player. they don't get Jerkovic if if they don't play this right with Slovis, right?
0: You never know. You never yeah. know. They had a game to play within the game, is what I'm saying. And it's it's unfortunate for guys like Nick Patty who stuck around for five years and who earned it and who worked for it behind Kenny Pickett, behind Slovis. But at least we got to see Nick Patty earn his flowers. In the Sun yeah. Bowl. And he got to become a pit legend through the Sun Bowl.
1: I totally agree. And one more QB comment before we move on to the rest of the game here. At least Pit QB. Because we definitely got to talk a little bit about UCLA QB, I think. Oof. Did you love seeing the fire from Nate Yarno when he got pulled out? Mm-hmm. I loved it. Mm-hmm.
0: He was furious.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Furious. And, and Pets didn't really think twice about it. Nick got cleared. You know, he he went to the tent, got a quick concussion test, said he was fine, get him back on the field. And you know what? We could sit here and say because they won the game that it worked. And we could sit here and say because they won the game that, you know, Nate Yarnell, he had that one throw, albeit it was in triple coverage, but it worked out. (laughs) He had his play. We move on.
1: I totally agree, man. Hey, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. Let's get more into the game. I really want to start talking a little bit about UCLA. They... They wanted to give this game away as much as Pitt wanted to win it. All right. And welcome back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Corey Crisson and Gary Morgan with you. And what a great time we're going to have talking about these games. Man, I can't even wait till we get to the basketball part. <laughs> we're
0: excited to talk basketball.
1: We really are. We
0: made it. We, we made really are. it.
1: So let's start by, first of all, saying Dorian Thompson Robinson, there was a lot of controversy about whether he was going to play in this game or not. And. You know, he decided he was going to play in the game. And I think UCLA took that as we're going to win this ball game, right? You look across the field at Pitt's defense, it's decimated, absolutely decimated. And this isn't going to be one of those shows where we're going to give you hot takes about hating the players for transferring or getting ready for the NFL. It's not about that. We did that last week instead of talking bowl game. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. so. Point, the point is the, the defense had not much left, and I'm sorry, DTR looked bad most of this game, to be honest with you, and I don't know that I give it to the defense as much as I give it to poor decision-making. Mm-hmm. What do you so, think?
0: So he threw three interceptions, right? Okay, so I'll say this. For a good chunk of the game. Pitt's D-line could really break through UCLA's, UCLA's O-line. And this was more so in the first half. Right. So the three interceptions he threw, two of them, some would say were not his fault. But if you go back and watch them, and I watched the game last night, not in full. I did like one of those like abbreviated games where it showed like the big plays. And when you watch those three interceptions back, one of them completely his fault in the Bengali Kamara pick that he just... Kamara was right there. Anybody yeah. could have made that catch. And by the way, this is kind of more of a credit to Bengali for being in the right spot, for, for dropping in zone, for doing his job. And Bengali's had a great season. You know, he's really just trending up. That's a player yeah, he, that's Bengali's trending
1: up. got a great shot to be the leader of the defense next year. Like, H- at least mean, the front seven.
0: I mean, him, Shane Simon, you, got, you talk about uh, Solomon DeShields, who had the special teams fumble recovery. You talk about a Jordan Bass coming in, you know, as, as a freshman. I mean, that linebacker room, and I think Shane Simon had a, had a nice game at middle as well. And Tyler Wilts at his final game as college football athlete uh, had a really good game at linebacker. He had one of the interceptions. But Thompson Robinson, one of those balls was thrown 110 miles an hour. No need to throw the ball with that much zip on it. Ricochets off the receiver. Tyler Wilts picks it off in the red zone. By the way, two of those three interceptions came in the red zone. So you want to talk about clutching up and making a play and being in your spot and studying film. When you make two of your three interceptions, two interceptions period or a interception period in the red zone, that is a really good sign of coaching and a really good sign of game plan and preparation. So credit Pat Narduzzi, Randy Bates for all that. But the second interception, kind of a similar thing. Bounces off the receiver, probably a ball that he shouldn't have thrown, probably a ball that he threw incorrectly, and Javon McIntyre right there. And then, of course, Bengali has the one he steps in front of. And then Devonshire, you know, how fitting is it that MJ Devonshire, the Pittsburgh kid, the Aliquippa kid, he has the first interception of the year in the backyard brawl, and he has the last interception of the year in the Sun Bowl. How cool is that?
1: Very cool, man. And honestly, they handled him really well. I thought everything I read about him and saw, this year from him said that they were going to be able to beat Pitt one way or another. They were either going to run the ball all over him, or they were going to pass the ball all over him. And it looked like in the first half they were going to do both. Mm-hmm. So something changed at halftime. And I don't think it was uh, personnel necessarily. It seemed to me like uh, the turnovers turned into boo-boo face a little bit for for DTR. And I know he's injured. I understand they, they think it's a lower back or something. I don't think that it's been officially released what it was. But, boy, it looked pouty to me. It really did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> After talking quite a bit of junk in, in the early part of the game, too, huh?
1: Exactly. And so I was if you're going to come out and talk smack, you better play, right?
0: Well, I was in the press conference room when Chip Kelly was talking, and he did not really – specifically say either, you know, yeah, DTR he hurt his back or he hurt his whatever it was. You know, um he he kinda played it off. And by the way, Zach Charbonnet, the All American running back for UCLA, he didn't play either. Uh he really did he actually didn't play because, you know, uh, Chip, according to him, uh said that um Charbonnet tested, he warmed up in pregame, didn't feel hundred percent, didn't say what the injury was, but Charbonnet sits out. That's the Pitts benefit. We all thought Charbonnet was 100 in. Yeah. Chip Kelly said this week there were no opt-outs. Chip Kelly said this week everybody's in. That's the kind of football program. And I'll be honest with you, I think UCLA bit off a little more than they could chew in this one. I don't think they. I don't think they. They might say differently, and I know there's a past history with Chip Kelly and Pat Narduzzi. I don't think UCLA took this game as seriously as maybe they should. And that's even saying. That's even saying after the first two drives of the game for either team, Pitt gets two field goals, UCLA gets two touchdowns, it's 14-6. Then UCLA goes up 28-14 to the third on that pick six and then lose the football game. UCLA was not in this football game, period. Pitt deserved this game every which way.
1: I can get behind that. Uh, I'll tell you what I saw was a typical uh, Pac-12 team used to playing less physical competition, facing a team that is built to bruise and be more physical and they beat the hell out of them over the course of the game Mm -hmm. to the point where they didn't want to get hit anymore. Come that fourth quarter. I mean, it was, it was evident that the offensive line was, was losing the battle Mm -hmm. against the, the fresher defensive line that really lacked most of their stars.
0: Oh, I mean, no Kalaja can't see he's injured. So, you know, calm the portal talk. No deaths on Alexander. Those are the, the two big names there. Hoppe Paldonado was injured, did not play. Uh, but he was there. He was at the game. But um, when you look at guys like Chris Maloney and Tyler Bentley and Elliott Donald getting quite a bit of run, by the way. Yeah. We started to see a little bit of what Elliott Donald could do on that front line. And we've been kind of asking –
1: David what, Green too.
0: How are they gonna handle it? David Green had a great game. Uh, again, Bengali Kamara coming up and making a couple of plays in the you know, quarterback hits and whatnot. Um I thought David Danielson did okay too. I thought that line did okay. Now again, early in the first half, UCLA really put it to him, and I think that D line just wore him down. I think that I think that O line got I tired. I think that O line got gassed. They did not control the ball that much in this game either, UCLA. But that D-line still found ways, and credit, again, Charlie Partridge, defensive line coach, and the way that he gets these kids ready and Pat Narduzzi's scheme and Randy Bates' scheme. These guys found different combinations and different ways to attack DTR and then the backup Garbers as well. Just a phenomenal job late down the stretch by by that front seven. And, again, they didn't have Charbonnet, I know, but TJ Harden did not look bad running the football either for
1: UCLA. He had over 100 yards, as long as though he didn't play well.
0: Well, and of course, then he had the touchdown, you know, the, the go-ahead touchdown at the end of the game before the Sauls field goal. So, you know, they ran the ball well in some spots, but when Pitt needed to make plays, and this is throughout the game, they made plays. I mean, it came down to exec- that execution and making plays when they needed to, and that was the difference in this. And, and then the somebody
1: way, else we have to mention, Ben Sauls. I was
0: going to say, Ben Sol, <laughs> five for five. Five, five for five. five. Well, in a and,
1: windy, windy place, oh, they too. Were I mean,
0: whipping those winds were whipping on either side. They Cam Guess at the 85 yard punt down the one end, and then coming back the other end, uh, UCLA had to punt and their punter went 24 yards on their punt, right? That's how much. The, I mean, literally, that's how much the
1: wind was swirling out there. Crazy though, and his performance though, that uh, you, you can't take for granted a field goal and and most college situations Mm -hmm. but to go five for five i mean he made every one of their opportunities count and they needed every one of them Mm -hmm. so pretty pretty unreal
0: and it wasn't just the five for five okay he he the 22 yarder he made the first one he made was from the far right hash he's a left-footed kicker so he had to hit a he had to hit a fade he had to hit a slice if you're a golfer you know from that short of a distance all the way over to the goalpost to make it. Um, So he goes 22 yards on his first kick, 49 on his uh, second kick, which is his second longest kick of the season, 31, 27, and then the game winner from 47. So he didn't just make five field goals. He had to go kind of everywhere to make these five field goals. And he ends the season over his last nine games making 15 of 16 field goals. Dating, that's going to September 24th against Rhode Island. And the only the game, one he missed
1: was, the, what, that 54-yarder off the pipe?
0: It was a 54-yarder against Virginia, which didn't matter because Pitt was up, you know, with the two pick sixes and everything. And uh we found it funny. Saul's after the game. You know, I asked him, you know, talk about the kick, talk about, you know, the mental process with all that. He goes, you know, I like to think of a decent kicker. And I <laughs> would say so, Ben. I would say so. What a job by him.
1: That's pretty awesome, man. So does that wrap up the Sun Bowl, or do you got any other points you wanted to make?
0: I got one, actually, and, and that's just about the um, uh, kind of a continuation and some more specifics about the, the fill-ins that had to come in because, again, no is, okay, no Keaton at quarterback, no Izzy at running back, no Carter Warren at left tackle, no Gabe at right tackle, no Owen Drexel at center. He traveled and didn't play. Um, that's five. No Destin Alexander. No Javah Baldonado, that's seven. No Canty. that's eight. No Sarasi and Dennis, that's nine. No Brandon Hill, that's ten. Ten starters. Sam Scarton didn't travel. He opted out, and he's going to join the workforce now. Um, so he didn't go. So if you want to count, 11. So that's 11 pit players. And John Morgan, 12. You know, transfer. Jalen Barden, 13. Uh, Jayden Bradley, 14. If you want to count those two that transferred midseason. So 14 players, essentially. Impact guys that Pitt did not have for this bowl game. And look at the guys that stepped up. Branson Taylor left tackle played well. Matt right tackle played well. We got to see some Jason Collier at guard. We got to see um, a little Ryan Jacoby at guard. Obviously, Rodney Hammond played well, two touchdowns rushing. Had a great day rushing the football. Um, obviously, what Nick Patty did. You look at the defensive line with guys like Bentley and – Elliott Donald stepping up. You look at the linebacker room with no Servassier Dennis. That's the captain. That's the signal caller. That's the driving force of that defense. Shane Simon takes it over, and you bring in young linebackers, like like a Bengali Kamara. You bring in a guy like a Solomon DeShields to make a special teams play. Javon McIntyre is going to start at safety next year, my friends. He earned it. In these last two games, I think he earned himself a starting position at safety. So it's going to be him and Donovan McMillan next year at safety, the transfer. I mean. The, the guys that had to step in kind of on short notice and make these plays to replace that many starters that were out, just an unbelievable coaching job by Pat Narduzzi, and that goes back to the recruiting, that goes back to the development, that goes back to all of this stuff that we've talked about before about what makes Pitt's program, Pitt's program. So the one that stood out to me, though, was Bengali Kamara, the way he played. The interception, a couple of quarterback hits, he was in the backfield, he had a couple of key tackles. Great day for him. Great day for Tyler Wilts too, in his final game uh, as a college football player. And then one more football note. I know we're going to move on and talk hoops. Uh, the city of El Paso, unbelievable hospitality here. Um, I had trouble getting here, obviously, with flights, and that's not their fault. But um, the, when I got here, you know, get to the hotel. Downstairs here, I stayed at the hotel where, you know, they kind of hosted everything. And, you know, hospitality amazing, food amazing. Oh, I'm, I could eat. Mexican food, Latin American food every day. So the fact that I'm, I'm here at the motherland and able to do it right here, <laughs> unreal. Just amazing. The food was amazing. The people were amazing. Everybody was accommodating. I mean, they shuttled us from the hotel to the stadium. They shuttled us from the stadium to the hotel. They got us where we needed to be. And just the first class job by the city of El Paso. And Pat Narduzzi's talked about it. The players have talked about it. I'll talk about it, too. They did an unbelievable job as hosts for this bowl game.
1: I hope for your sake we get a bowl game in uh, Albuquerque because you need some New Mexico, Mexican food in your life, brother. Uh You really do. So uh, let's take another quick break. We come back. We'll do hoops. And I kind of can take the lead on this one because I was there. Uh Uh-oh. All right, welcome back to the H2P Podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Corey and Gary with you, and it's time for some Pit Hoops Talk. They beat North Carolina, the ranked North Carolina Tar Heels, ranked 25th just before that game. I suspect that won't last. Now, after uh, being defeated by the Pit Panthers, who now have a 10-4 record, which is better than the Tar Heels, Hmm. at 9-5. And uh, a 3-0 and record in their conference, which is up, you know, obviously towards the top, if not the best, right? So Pitt is in this thing. They're playing well in the ACC. In this game in particular, man, North Carolina's got one of the strongest front courts in the country when they're clicking. And Armando Baycott is no joke. That dude, nobody had an answer for him. The whole game. In fact, the only reason North Carolina led this game most of the way was because Armando Baycott was unstoppable. You couldn't stop him, no matter what you tried to do. They double teamed him. They they did everything they could. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this game, though, for Pitt, Jamarius Burton was ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Thirty one points. He was everywhere. He controlled the ball. He controlled the play. He set the picks. He did everything. And Fetty Federico learned through this game. This is the first real test he's faced in the paint like that. And and at first he was very overwhelmed. And by the end, he, he was holding his own. Good to see all in all. And the fight from this team was, was sick, Corey. You saw the end. What did you think?
0: Yeah, the end. I mean, we were kind of on our, the edge of our seats in the press box there because we were kind of waiting on kickoff. And, you know, all the pit people were. You know, watching the game, and we all kind of huddled around. So, I mean, even we were impressed by kind of what we were seeing because um Jamarius Bird just took over at the end, man. Took over. He was unbelievable. And you mentioned Fede Federico. I would say this is his second test of facing a big this year because Syracuse's Jesse Edwards has played pretty well throughout the year, so he had to kind of contend with that. But Fede's played great lately. Blake Henson has shot the basketball. I I know he didn't shoot the basketball particularly well against North Carolina, but I think this team has something different about them to the you know couple past couple Jeff Cable teams. This team has a little bit something different about them and I want to get your take on this Gary because yeah. you know with the Syracuse game they might have bent and broke, right? They might they probably lose that game a- after kind of what transpired down the stretch. The North Carolina game, I don't know if you could confidently say that a pit team would be able to close that game out in the past. This team has found ways to close against Syracuse close against North Carolina over these last two. So what's your thought? What's your thought on that?
1: Different games though. I mean, like Syracuse, I felt like they were holding on this one. They didn't take the lead until the the very end really. And it was, it was a dogfight the whole game. Um, you kind of felt like North Carolina was just a matter of time before they were going to pull away. There was a few key sequences like early on in the second half where North Carolina started going and there was no stopping Baycott and it was, it was getting out of the, out of hand and then Jamarius Burton would just take over. And that's what happened over and over again. And finally he took over to the point where North Carolina was more worried about sl- slowing him down than they were scoring. And it just came back. Mm-hmm. I think, all in all, though, no, not a very pit-like performance from what we've seen. But it is a much more veteran squad. Um, you know, I, I think uh, a lot of people would say they play. Uh, a lot of them have some veteran game to them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which it, it's not something you see in college basketball all the time. And I like what I see out of the out of the twins. I, I loved getting to see them a little bit yesterday. I know, like he's still sprinkling them in. But they can hang,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and they can they can ball a little bit. It's, it's fun. It'll be fun if you really get them running. Nike Sabande probably needs a little bit of a shout-out, too. He was not good last year, injured, obviously. Was not good early this year. I think he's starting to find a niche now. I think he's a good off-the-bench role player for this team now.
0: He's definitely starting to come along. And going back to the Twins, I think they're starting to just look more comfortable. That's the number one thing about those two, and I think I mentioned it, in maybe our last show or whatever we talked about right. last. But you know, that's the development point for those two. They're skilled players. They're obviously used to playing a different style of basketball than what we see here in the United States. It's more of a finesse basketball over, you know, in Europe. But you could tell that those two are starting to just settle in a little bit. I don't know if they were necessarily, you know, ants. Uh, what's the word for a, uh, anxious or? you know, nervous or, you know, you know, maybe even, lack of a better phrase here, scared to try some different things or to sure. you know, tr- see if something works. You know, and that's not to say that they're timid players because they're not. Those two can stretch the floor greatly. Obviously, Jorge, we've seen him take some threes and make them. We've seen Jorge kind of go inside and out. We see Guillermo Morris, the true center. But those two are starting to just look more comfortable on the inside. And, and that kind of is a nice little you know complement to what federico's doing and this by the way all without john Hughley being available for you know whatever reason it truly is i'll say that
1: yeah you know. i i'm not going to ask you because I, if you knew it would have been reported but
0: we've been asking
1: i know you have yeah. man i i know you have unlike most people i don't think that we don't have answers to things because reporters refuse to ask um i i hear i know that the questions get asked and i also know that why they're not saying anything because they don't know. Um,
0: well, I'm sure they know. It's just they're not going to, I mean, if they're not going to outwardly say it, it must be something that they really want to keep internal. So it's a
1: little bit light on the depth right now. But I will say yeah. that I do like, I do like that if Nellie Cummings has a game like he did yesterday where the threes aren't falling, they can recover. They have other guys that can pick up the slack like Jamaris Burton did yesterday. Mm-hmm. Blake Henson does sometimes you know Blake Henson was a weapon down the sh- down the stretch with free throws
0: oh and Just, against Syracuse Dude. yeah both
1: games I, I I like the makeup man mm-hmm. I do and you know you know I was critical very critical of this basketball team and this program in general
0: mm-hmm. well you, you I'm, know I'm my, gonna... well you know my thoughts on this program still I was on a wait and see mode with them right Because people, after they beat Northwestern, wanted to, you know, okay, here we go. And then, you know, earlier in the year, you got to still remember, they lost to Michigan, they lost to to VCU. By this point, we're over a month away from that. The next three games here, okay? I wanted this stretch, beginning with the UNC game, to be the indicator for me. Now they got to host Virginia on Tuesday. And then they host Clemson on Saturday, and then they're at Duke the following Wednesday. So I want to see these next three games for them and how they perform. Wins and losses aside, I want to see how they perform and how they execute. And can they continue this little uh, role that they're on, so to speak? Um, before we wrap up here, Gary, I did want to get into Dior Johnson because uh, he is reinstated. They brought him back right after Christmas, to, you know, to practice. Jeff Capel has said he's going to redshirt. Just what are your thoughts on just how this situation has been handled? on him getting back on the timing of everything. And then obviously the red shirt, what are your thoughts on that? Because for me, um, I think this is something they wanted to work for and they had to kind of play in terms of a timing game and to get it right. And to make sure that it felt right. And to make sure that Dior was right to get back. What are your thoughts on it?
1: I don't know how anybody could feel sure about Dior. Mm-hmm. Um, this wasn't exactly his first problem, you know, that's come up along the way. So I don't want to like, I don't want to pretend that like, oh, he's learned his lesson this time, <laughs> but the the team seems to have accepted him. Um, their female AD has apparently accepted him. So who am I to say otherwise? Now, as far as fans go, I'm sure there'll be some pushback. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm also sure that it's not the same thing as like, you know, the NFL where it gets 24 seven coverage that it's going on. I think by next year, most people will have kind of forgotten about it. Um, Obviously not the victim, Mm -hmm. but it is what it is, man. I I have no control over it and they're my team. I'm going to root for them and I hope he does well.
0: Mm -hmm. We'll see how they handle the situation. You know, if the or could stay in the building, that's the big thing, right? Keep, get him in the peat. Let him stay in the peat. Hold him down in the peat. He's got to be in there working. He's got to be out of, you know, the public per se. He's got to be out of trouble. You got to find ways to kind of rally around him. And that's not a responsibility of the players. That's a responsibility of Jeff Capel. It's How, a
1: responsibility of Dior as well.
0: It's Dior's own responsibility, no doubt. But I'm saying for, you know, helping him and. In, in, so to speak, giving him the resources that Jeff Capel and that uh, Heather like, they probably discussed, you know, this is going to fall back on Jeff Capel at the end of the day, whether Dior Johnson ever plays a game for Pitt next year, whether he ever plays a game for Pitt period, whether he transfers whatever it is. And I'm not suggesting that he's going to transfer. And that's what the majority of people I think are thinking like, oh, he's going to transfer. But here- if, he do-
1: if he does, then if I'm uh, Jeff Capel, I have a I have some words.
0: <laughs> I don't know. What gonna, well, I don't know what school's going to want him at this right. point, quite frankly. What school's going to want him? That the, the transfer portal is a transactional process, right? It's not just the player picking the school; it's the school also picking the player. See Keaton Slovis. But okay, if he enters the portal, that's not a guarantee. It's not a lock that he goes anywhere. And by the way, Capel is giving him a second chance, and he doesn't have to do this, Jeff Capel. Now. You could argue maybe he does have to do this. This is a whole other topic of conversation for a show in which we have more time on. But like, was Jeff Capel in a kind of a, a pinned situation? Was he pinned down to having to reinstate Dior because he knows he hasn't had a winning record yet? He knows that the program looks like it's on the rise. And he knows that a player like Dior getting into this rotation next year – is only going to benefit the program. Should he get his act together off the court?
1: So and he also knows he has an older team right now that isn't mm-hmm. going to return because you know they're they're going to graduate or move on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't want to lose probably the highest star recruit that I've had in the history of my school either. I mean, this, be careful. We're talking like we're going all the way back to Howland. You haven't had a a, a star recruit this high.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So. Yeah, it's a big it's a big get for the school if it works out, you know. Um, again, morals are are always complicated in the sports, as most of the people following the Hall of Fame voting will see for baseball right now. You yeah. know, everybody's got their own compass, and you are gonna have to follow it. I am gonna choose to uh, watch him as a basketball player and try not to focus on that, and realize that the justice system let him go so that's what it is
0: hey we had to talk about it by the way yeah had to had to (laughs) this is a victory saturday we're still thrilled about everything but we had to address the news of this
1: absolutely man and i totally great um so happy that you guys went you went down to the sun bowl i'm glad you got to get in there and witness that that was a, a unique event and uh north carolina pit was a really really fun thing too especially with the kids being off the place was semi full Mm -hmm. not too bad man
0: good crowd really good crowd and this city shows up for it too that wasn't just pit fans and ucla fans a lot of uh el Pasoans show up to that event they had a really good time it was a really nice scene and nice event and really good week here in el paso despite the travel troubles
1: right (laughs) hey so good stuff and happy new year everybody and uh from Corey and gary h2p
0: and happy new year